All right. Good evening, everybody. I saw some of you. Some of you wanted to get up and dance, and you're like, I'm in a Lutheran church. I don't think it's allowed. Uh, well, it's more than allowed. It's actually uh, encouraged around here, not just dancing, but celebrating as we're doing this weekend, singing, worshiping. Praise God for our worship team. Can we thank them one more time? Wow. And the lady in the front, she can sing. She's, she's my favorite. Uh, Happy to be married to her as well. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Again, want to welcome you. Uh, again, we love it that you are here, especially if you have been away for a while, if you're visiting, if this is your first time here. Uh, you are why we exist as a church. We love new people uh, at Hope. And so this weekend, today is, uh, is a time to sing. It's a time to dance. It's a time to celebrate, to slow down, to celebrate what God is doing in our community, which is really, uh, strangely enough, kind of the theme and the plot of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Anybody seen that movie? It's, it's a while ago now, man. We're dating ourselves a little bit. Uh, it's really the theme of that whole movie. The theme of this weekend is, did you catch what Ferris Bueller said at the very beginning? It was, the beginning was edited for your family viewing pleasure. But did you catch what he said there, that famous line, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you might miss it. Some of you, your life is going so fast these days and you're going to miss it. You're missing the most important things because you're caught up on the treadmill of life. If you don't slow down and in Ferris's case, take a day off of school or in our case, if you don't slow down and take time to have a party in your parking lot uh, once in a while, you might miss it. Not just for any reason. We're not just having a party and a celebration for any reason, but for God's goodness for a decade. In fact, I've had people ask me this week, wow, you guys are, you guys are having a big party down there and you're sure going to a lot of trouble. I mean, you could just have a church service. I mean, isn't that enough? You're having a big party. What's the big deal? And I said, the big deal is that there is nothing worth celebrating more than Jesus. Amen. He is the big deal. He's the biggest deal uh, around here. And speaking of Jesus, I don't know what your, uh, your current um, experience has been with the church. Uh, some of you have no church background at all and hope is your first experience. Some of you maybe came and have a different church background and, and your thoughts and perceptions of Jesus. But if you think that Jesus doesn't love a party, let me just say this. You haven't read your Bible in a, in a while. In fact, I was thinking about it this week. Uh, other than preaching and healing, Jesus spends most of his time in the Gospels doing what, do you think? Partying! You got it right! Absolutely! You learned something new tonight. Attending parties. Usually he was invited to them or throwing parties himself. Why would he do that? Because that's where the people were. And Jesus was enthralled and fascinated with people, especially the people that nobody else wanted to be with. Jesus loved to party. Jesus loved to hang out with all those that society had labeled outcasts or misfits or sinners. The other reason I believe that Jesus spent a lot of time at parties is because life is way too short to not relentlessly pursue joy. Everybody say joy. joy. How's the level of joy in your life these days? Would you say that you're relentlessly pursuing it? Because I will tell you this, as kids, it comes easy. If you need an indication of that, go to the bounce houses after worship tonight. Joy comes easy for kids. And then you see a bunch of grown-ups standing around saying, I remember when I used to do that, Right? What's stopping you? I mean, maybe there's a height limit, but just do it anyway. Um, joy doesn't come as easy when we're adults, does it? You have to fight for it. You have to pursue it. And so that's what we're doing this weekend. We're pursuing joy and we're celebrating and we're breathing in God's goodness. Summer's a good time for that. 
It's a change of pace. It's a change of schedule. Some of you, a lot of you, your kids uh, are off school. You've been on vacations. You mix up your, your schedule a little bit, and we're breathing in God's goodness. It's what we sang earlier. That song we sang was just perfect. I mean, that's our anthem for this weekend. God, you are so good. You are so good. Amen? Sometimes it's just good. And just stop there. That's probably the most significant prayer that we could say, the most significant thing we could say today, the the most spiritually deep thing that you could say. It's good for your soul to worship God. That's why we have three different worship services every weekend. So God says set aside a time, set aside a Sabbath, not just to worship, but for your joy. There's something that happens in us during worship, whether it's Saturday night or Sunday morning. So we're celebrating this weekend, not, not our goodness, and what we've done, but God's goodness and what he's done through us. We're slowing down and we're taking time to be fully present and to enjoy the journey. Some of you are going to miss the journey because you're so focused on the destination. Some of you have a, a picture, an image of what you want your kids to be like, or what you want your family to be like, or what you want your job to be like, or whatever circumstances. You're like, well, it's not that. I want it to be that. And you have a picture and you're so focused on the destination that you're missing the joy that's all around you these days. God, you're so good. Did you listen to the lyrics of that song? It has nothing to do with your current circumstances. It has nothing to do with your level of happiness. No, I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about joy. Joy is what Jesus offers. That's why we're having a party. That's what was motivating Ferris Bueller to say, I can't go to school one more day. I've got to pursue some joy. I need some freedom in my life. And that's what David was pursuing in Psalm 103 together. I think he has the same heart as Ferris Bueller. You'll never hear that comparison probably ever again. But here you go. Psalm 103. Let's read it nice and loud together. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. That's David's heart. David is reminding us, just think about this, just as dangerous as sin, just as dangerous as immorality is to our Christian journeys, just as dangerous is forgetfulness. Maybe you never thought about it that way before. Just as dangerous as forgetfulness. When you're on the journey of life, when you're in the thick, all of you are in the middle of some circumstances right now, and when you're faced with that, when you're in the middle of your circumstances, it's easy to let your present define you. It's easy to say, I'm, I'm, I got my blinders on. You don't realize your blinders on, but whatever is in front of you, whatever you're facing these days is it. And David says, no, 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 no. Don't be so focused on the present that you forget God's track record of faithfulness. It's easy to doubt. It's easy to say, is God near? Does God really care when I'm facing all these different things in my life? And so David says, oh, have you so quickly forgotten? You have a really short memory, God's people. You have a really short memory. Don't forget. Remember, over and over and over, Scripture says, don't forget. We hear, remember, remember, remember. In fact, there's one story in the Bible that I want to focus in on tonight where God's people take this idea of remembering his goodness, which we're doing this weekend, and they take it to a whole new level. If you have your Bibles, uh, which I hope you do, open up to the, the book of 1 Samuel. When's the last time you were in 1 Samuel? Probably not very often, right? 1 Samuel's in the Old Testament, so it's going to be in the first, uh, about third of your Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 7, if you've got these Bibles or your own or on your Bible app. 1 Samuel chapter 
7. This is during the time of the judges, if you're unfamiliar with the Old Testament. And they were kind of a, a king, not like a judge with a gown and a gavel, but they were the leaders of God's people, the Israelites. Israel has been experiencing revival, much like we have been at Hope the last several years. This move of God's spirit, of Yahweh moving in people's lives. People are coming back to God and repenting for ways that they've gone astray. And they're actually doing a ceremony, and so Samuel is uh, one of the last and greatest judges of the Israelites, and Samuel is, is a man after God's own heart, and he's offering a sacrifice to God to say thank you, and so they would usually find a, a goat or a lamb, and they would put it on a fire, and then they would roast it, and everybody would stand around, and they would worship God. So we've got our goat out here that we're going to do that right after worship tonight, so if you want to... Just seeing if you're paying attention. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, so we don't have to do that anymore. But it's actually during this ceremony of sacrifice that they get attacked. The Philistines. Remember who was a Philistine? Really tall guy, big guy? Goliath was a Philistine, okay? So the Philistines are the enemies of God's people, and the Israelites actually go out into battle, and things are not looking good until God shows up. This is how it reads in verse 10. It says, That day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. So it's the old scare them with a God-sized thunderstorm trick uh, that gets the Philistines that day. And so they were getting routed. God shows up, creates this huge natural disaster. The Philistines get scared because it's clearly God is on the side of the Israelites. And then the Israelites end up routing the Philistines. And so clearly their victory had nothing to do with them. Their victory had nothing to do with them. Do you ever have those moments in your life where you just kind of take a step back and go, whoa, I would have been a mess without God. Do you ever have those moments where you're going through a difficult situation or relationally or financially or with your job or whatever it is, and then you look back on it now in hindsight and go, God was totally all over that. I would have been so lost without him. That was this moment for God's People. And so to commemorate the victory in verse 12, it says this, Samuel, their leader, took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen, that's just on the outskirts of Des Moines, and uh, he, just kidding, and he named it Ebenezer. Everybody say Ebenezer. Ebenezer. Ebenezer saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. Thus far the Lord has helped us. Let's just read what's in the yellow there together. Thus far the Lord has helped us. And so as a matter of fact, I just so happen to have an Ebenezer uh, here tonight. It's really heavy and this is actually uh, the, the actual stone that uh, Samuel set there at Mizpah. We, we shipped it in. Uh, we Amazon primed it in uh, for tonight. So, so there it is. So he sets up this giant stone and they say it's Ebenezer literally means stone of help. And depending on how you translate your Hebrew, I'm not just saying this because it's the name of our church. It could be translated stone of help or there's some resemblances there in that language of stone of hope. How cool is that? Stone of help or stone of hope, meaning so far the Lord has helped us. And so Samuel places this up on this hill in this place, which is a place that God's people go by on a regular basis. This is their land, and this is the place where they, God won this decisive battle. And so every time they would walk past this giant Ebenezer stone, they would be reminded of, we got nothing without God. 
My life is nothing without him. We are desperate for God's intervention, that every time they walk by it, they would see that. I was trying to think of like a modern-day parable. Those of you that are into sports, you know how championship teams hang the uh, championship banners and the rafters and things like that, right? Or, or retire jerseys or something like that. And you look up, and when you go into that, that coliseum or, or football stadium or wherever it is, you look up and you say, wow, they won the national championship in that year, and that person was an All-American. This would be the Old Testament equivalent of that, that you look at that or you look at one of those uh, in the rafters and you say, that was significant. That year meant something. That was important. And whenever we get down and whenever we get lost or confused or frustrated, we look back to that moment and we say, God, you are so good that despite whatever I'm going through in my life these days, God, you are so good. For the Israelites, the message was there is no way that we would have gotten this far without you. And then I started thinking about this weekend. And it occurred to me, this is an Ebenezer moment. 10 years. You're 10 years old. Do you remember what it was like to be 10 years old? You were a mess. Your voice was starting to change, right? The whole bit, right? We're growing up as a church. This is an Ebenezer moment. This is a moment to say something significant. June, that third weekend of June, 2018, we marked that moment. And no, as a church, we haven't fought the Philistines. We haven't fought literal battles. But for those of you that have been around for a while, it hasn't been easy, right? Being in church is hard sometimes. The people sitting around you tonight, they're weird, right? They're hard to get along with sometimes, right? Some people say, oh, I don't want to be a part of church because it's full of a bunch of hypocrites. And I go, yep. What's your next argument, right? And you're one of them, so join the family, right? That's, that's the point, we're all broken. We're all messed up. We're not, the good, we're not good, but God is good through us. And so we're marking this moment. And there's, uh, looking back on our history and looking through pictures and old videos this week, there have been so many Ebenezer moments along the way where maybe we didn't know it then, but looking back now we can say, that was it. God totally showed up. We had no idea what we were doing in that moment. Certainly, we didn't have an idea what we were doing at the very beginning. And yet God has showed up time and time again. And just the same is true with our earthly families. I was thinking about this. Maybe some of you have dug into your genealogy or family history or heard your grandparents tell stories. Isn't it, isn't it inspiring that the more you understand about your family of origin, the more you appreciate who you are? The more you understand who you are? Whenever I hear my dad or my grandpa tell stories of what they did and stories of our family, I just get inspired. I'm like, this is who I am. I want to live up to that potential of those who have gone before me. And so tonight I want to just take you kind of a jet tour. If you can imagine, I'll kind of be the grandpa and I'll sit down in my chair and tell you some stories. And some of them are going to be fun and some of them are going to be reflective or emotional. I just want to take you back through some Ebenezer moments, some times when God has shown up. But before we get into our history, we're a part of a bigger family as all of us are. So I want to actually take you back to 1993. Do you remember what you were doing in 1993? Some of you, some of you weren't born. Uh, some of you were. Uh, 1993 is when Hope restarted, and a young pastor from Huxley, Iowa, named Mike Householder, came and restarted this fledgling little Lutheran church. Had a group of pastors come around him and said, "Yeah, we don't need one more church in West Des Moines. We don't really need another church. We got enough churches, right?" 
And so he said, well, I think we'll just do it anyway. And so the rest is history. But in those early days of 1993, a small group of hopesters sat down to come up with a mission, vision, and values that would guide the church and are still our mission, vision, values, the foundational ideas behind our church today. So I thought it'd be important on a day like today that although a lot has changed in the last 10 years, the heart of hope has not changed from day one. And because it's party weekend, we're going to have some fun and we're going to do this well, we're going to do it trivia style. We're going to do it game show style. So here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to find a couple other people around you. Let's go groups of four, okay? Groups of four. So look around you and say, are you smart? Do you know anything about it? Just find some smart people around you. Find a group of three or four around you, right? This is, a, this is an all play. Everybody go for it. Okay, find your group. Find your group. Gonna do a little trivia here tonight. Make sure everybody has a team. Reach out to somebody around you, pull them in. Say, join my team. Everybody's on a team, turn around. All right. Everybody got a team? Okay. If you've got your team, say, hello team. Tell them right now, hello team. Say, I'm so glad you're on my team. All right, say, let's not screw this up. All right. Okay, so here we go. I got three questions for you. Don't yell out the answer because you'll give it away because you want to win. That's why you came tonight, right? Okay, so first question. Hopes has a mission statement, okay? So talk quietly to each other. Have somebody kind of take, no, not take notes, but just remember. Hope's mission is to what? Talk about it. Hope's mission is to what? Okay. Okay, you got your answer? We're going to move pretty quick. So have somebody remember that one because we're going to move on. Have somebody remember that one. Okay, ready? Hope also has a vision statement of where we're going, the kind of community that we want to be. Oh, go back one slide. Go back one slide. There we go. Okay, Hope's vision. I kind of gave you some hints here. If you know your Bible, bonus. You should read your Bible more, okay? So Hope's vision is to be a blank and blank community filled with Hope, the hint is in the scripture. There's three words I'm looking for, okay? Three words, go for it. What do you think? Three words. If you know your Bible, that'll help. Oh, geez, put away your smartphones, people. Disqualified at church, that's... A terrible way to go out. Okay, you got it for the most part? You got your vision? Okay, last but not least, hope has five core values. I'm just looking for three. Three of hope's five core values, the guiding principles for us as a church. Name three of hope's five core values. See if you can do it. This is setting the bar high here. What are three of hope's five core values? They're statements. By the way, I can see you if you're cheating, all right? All right, let's go back to the beginning. Let's see how you did. Let's see how you did. Let's go back to the beginning. Hope's mission is to... Now I should take the slide away. How many of you got it? How many of you got it, right? Okay, so think about your mission, okay? All of us have a mission, whether we say it or not, right? Hope's mission has always been 
outward, to reach out, to not be a, a holy huddle. We exist for those that are not here yet, outside these walls. It's an outwardly focused mission. Our goal is to get people connected to the love of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist as a church. Good job if you got that one. How about our vision statement? Let's read it together. Hope's vision is to be a spirited, growing, Christ-centered community filled with hope. How many of you got that one? Don't lie, you're in church. Okay, four of you did. Great. Okay. The ones with the phones. Okay, gotcha. Right? So we want to be spirited, right? We want to be led by God's spirit. We don't want to be led by our own preferences or our own agenda of what church should be. We always want to follow God's spirit and ride the wave of his spirit. We want to be growing deep and wide. Everybody say deep. deep. Everybody say wide. wide. Yeah, you remember the song, right? Deep and wide, deep and wide, right? That's, we want to be growing. It's not discipleship or evangelism. It's both. We want to grow deep and put our roots down in God's love, and we want to grow wide. We don't want to be a church that's a mile wide and an inch deep. It's not just about more people coming on the weekends, right? It is. We want to reach out to our neighbors and our friends, but we also want to be growing in our depth and looking more and more like Jesus in our discipleship. So growing and finally Christ-centered. If somebody asked you, hey, what's Lutheran Church of Hope all about? I pray that you would say, we are a church that knows we're loved and loves people deeply. And they would go, oh yeah, that's what hope's known for. Of all the things that we could be known for, of lights and music and sound and great worship music and kids ministry and all donut holes for pity's sakes, all these things, right? Our prayer is that when people think of Lutheran Church of Hope, they would go, oh, those are the people that know they're loved by Jesus Christ. And it just naturally overflows out of them. That's our vision statement to be a Christ-centered community filled with hope. Last but not least, let's see how you did on the values. Jesus is life. The rest is details. That one's pretty self-explanatory. Lost people matter to God, so they matter to us. We've talked about that. We worship God, not tradition. Christianity is a growing experience. And finally, we are one body united in Christ. Did anybody at least get one? Okay. If you flunk the quiz, you don't get to go to the party, and we've, just kidding, and we've signed you up for the new member class in September, so we'll be taking your names. Uh, give yourselves a round of applause for trying. Good job. All right. All right. You can turn around unless you awkwardly want to face each other the rest of the sermon. You can turn around. So we began our journey as a campus, not with, hey, we're going to go start some random church in the city. And so in June of 2008, a small group of us gathered for the very first time, about 75 of us or so gathered for the first time at the Hubble Elementary Gym. A few of you were there, uh, I know, looking out uh, tonight, and we were bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I mean, we were fired up. We had everything that we needed to start a church in the city. We've got folding chairs. We've got our little band. I mean, we've got donut holes. What else could you need to do ministry in the city? And everything we had, uh, some of you maybe remember this, fit in our little 15-foot trailer that's sitting out here by our building. Everything we had couple funny stories. Remember one story, uh, everything was so temporary that we had and, and convertible that it, it folded up. And so nothing was permanent. And so that included the walls to our nursery. And so there was one young mom. We found this out five years later after this happened. One young, young mom was feeding her infant son in the nursery and another toddler came up and pushed the wall. And all of a sudden the walls of the nursery just <laughs> collapsed on her. And the amazing thing is she came back and she still is a part of our church. It's amazing. There was another time where one summer somebody, I don't know who it was, had a bright idea that we should have outdoor worship in a tent 
uh, in the lawn next to Hubble. And it was a beautiful day. And so there we were. We all fit under a tent. And then it started to get really windy later in the morning. And we happened to be having communion that morning. And so I'm up there and kind of doing the words of institution and trying to be all serious and distributing the bread and the wine. It started to get really windy. And there was this one pole right in the middle where that gentleman's standing in the middle. That pole just comes up out of the ground. We didn't stake it down well enough, and that pole just starts swinging around, and it's going (laughs) to hit people. And one of my friends, a guy named John that had been a part of the church, kind of a big burly guy, comes up and just grabs that pole and stands there like this. And it's a pretty small space, and I can't go anywhere, and I'm serving the bread and the wine, everything like that, and he's just standing there. He's like the communion bouncer for the rest of (laughs) communion, and he's kind of new to this whole church thing, and everybody has to go past him. And so he's just standing there like this. And he later told me, he said, I didn't know what to do. So I just said, good morning, enjoy the wine. Good morning, enjoy the wine. Enjoy what he said. I said, oh, my word. Enjoy the wine. There's there's more where that came from. Uh, It's amazing that anybody is coming back. And meanwhile, he's holding the pole like this because it's blowing all around. There was countless other moments, but we, uh, we realized in one of the lessons that we've learned along the way, something we say a lot at Hope, is that we never take ourselves too seriously. We can't. We know ourselves too well, but we always take God seriously. Amen? Amen. And those were just a couple of hundreds and hundreds of Ebenezer moments to that point. And we knew when we started as a church, that was an Ebenezer moment. Hope Des Moines, or City Branch at the time, went uh, from being just a dream to a reality. We never take ourselves too seriously, but we always take God and his mission seriously. Because it didn't take us long being there at Hubble to realize that within just a couple miles of where we were worshiping, there are so many without proper housing. There are children as young as 11 and 12 years old getting recruited for gangs in our neighborhoods. There are dozens of refugee families from across the world that have been displaced by countries devastated by war. There's people I would drive past over the bridge to get to Hubble, and there was people at another local shelter that would just line up every single morning around the building hoping to get some food. There's people all over our neighborhoods as I knocked on doors and as I met with people and met with families and had coffee with people, people that were just so burned out on church people that saw no relevance to being a part of a church whatsoever. And so for the next six years, we literally hit the streets. And that's what a lot of these pictures are around you today and things you're going to see, not just by going to church, but by being the church and serving in every single possible way that we could. But by 2013, it had become clear that when you think about it, when Jesus came to this earth, he didn't like helicopter in and stay for a few days and then say, see ya, good luck, I'm back to the safety and comfort of heaven, Jesus literally moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh, right? So if we knew we were going to be a church that models Jesus, we had to stay. We had to have a a permanent location in the city to a 24-7 space to call home. Now, were we a real church meeting in the gym? Absolutely. People asked me five years in when we were meeting in the gym, John, when are you going to build a real church? And my answer was, we have in living rooms and in coffee shops and in restaurants and in grocery aisles and on street corners and at homeless shelters. We've built a church, but now God is calling us to build a facility to support God's mission. 
And so after a lot of prayer and discernment in the fall of 2013, we launched a giving campaign called Building Hope Together to support the purchase and then the build out of the space that you're sitting in right now. And you gave generously. And, and to be honest, a fourth, uh, three-fourths of you that are here today were not here then. That's how much Hope Des Moines has grown. But you gave generously. And the folks back then gave generously of their time and their talent and their treasure. Almost 80% of the renovations of this building for four to six months every single Saturday were done by you. We're done by volunteers, not by professionals, but we're done by you. Yeah, praise God for that. Praise God for that. And then, just as God would have it, uh, a couple weeks before Christmas on December 7th, 2014, you can see uh, the transformation. We were home for Christmas, just in time for Christmas. And that was our first worship service uh, in the building, and no tent poles blew away, and nobody was talking about wine. Well, we did have communion that day. It was a lot of fun. But that was a Ebenezer moment. That was a day that we look back on and say, there's no way that we would have made it this far without God intervening. I remember quickly after we moved in, I had people come up to me and were so excited about our new building that we had a permanent space and we weren't having to pack everything in a trailer or a closet every week. And they said, John, what's your, you got to be so excited, but, but you got to be a little afraid, don't you? I mean, you were like a church on a mission and now aren't you just going to kind of hole up in, in, in your safety of your walls? And they said, what's your biggest fear? And I said, my biggest fear is that, well, just that, that we would forget who we are that we would think that we've arrived. As Jed was saying earlier, oh, we're 10 years, now we're good. Now we can just put the cruise control on. But then as I thought about it more, I wasn't really scared at all. I wasn't afraid at all because you know who you are and you know your family of origin and you know the story of Lutheran Church of Hope is not one of comfort or ease, it's one of mission. It's one of caring just as much about what's going on outside these walls as what's going on inside these walls. And if you think that we took our foot off the gas or that God stopped moving or that we weren't a real church once we moved into our own building and that somehow missions slowed down, man, I was just thinking about it these past week. These are ballpark estimates. Some are lower, some are higher. But just think about this. In the last four years, Worship growth has been 115%. We estimate over 700 adults that have taken a group or a, joined a group or a class, a small group, 400 plus kids have attended Vacation Bible School here. Our student ministry has tripled in just two and a half years. We've packaged 800 plus backpacks for local kids in need, 400 plus Christmas gifts, 26,000 breakfast plates served for our guests that are low income and in shelters here in Des Moines through our breakfast club ministry. Two years ago, we launched down Hope Downtown Preschool here, a four-day-a-week preschool. You have paid off $1.6 million in debt off our giving campaign. And the most important one, I think, over 200 people have been baptized into faith. Can we give God praise for that? That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And that's just the highlights. Like I could just go slide after slide. And so God is saying to us this weekend, remember Hope Des Moines, don't forget the message of that slide, the message of the last 10 years isn't, wow, look at us. The message is, wow, look what God did through us. Wow, look at God. God, you are so good. You have been so, I look at that and I go, there's no way that that's possible unless God intervenes. And so this weekend is another Ebenezer moment where we stop and we recognize the fact there's no way we would have come this far without him. And the second thing I want you to know about all that, it has never been about the numbers. 
It's never about how many people are here. It's never about budgets or buildings or the size of anything like that. But numbers do represent people, and that's what Jesus cared about the most. And people represent hearts that have been connected and transformed by Jesus Christ. What that slide and what the stats can't tell you is those countless stories of when we've been able to do baptisms for people that walked in here and wanted nothing to do with church, wanted nothing to do with Jesus. A couple months, a couple years later, they're going underneath the water and coming back up a brand new person. Yeah, praise God for that. That's what the numbers don't tell you. The stats can't tell you about, I know, the marriages that were on the rocks and crumbling, the marriages that have been restored, those who have broken free from addiction, those who have found true belonging and community here for the very first time. That's what we celebrate today is the stories is the hearts of the people that are sitting around you today that have been changed. And so instead of me just going on and on and telling you about it, we put together just kind of a short video that kind of goes back to those early days. And some of you that were around and have been around Hope for a long time are going to recognize that. It goes chronologically all the way up to the present. And as you watch this video, I pray that anthem would just ring in your heart and your mind. God, you are so good. You are so good to us. Let's take a look. You know what gets me? I watch that and I go, man, I was young and I had no clue what I was doing. <sighs> man, do you remember when you were 25? Some of us think that when we're young, we know everything. And then, you know, as time goes on, you realize you don't know a lot, but God does. And what gets me as I look at these pictures and as I watch that video is the faces. That some have moved on, some have to be honest, have become pastors. A lot have become missionaries. A lot have gone on to start other churches. <laughs> They're loving their families well. They're growing up. Some of the young babies and kids you see in there are <laughs> teenagers now, <laughs> making faith their own. And that song that was playing in the background is one of our favorites around here. It's called Wonder. And Hope to one, I pray we would never lose the wonder, never lose our awe of what God is capable of. I don't know about you, but I can imagine some pretty amazing things of what God could do in the next 10 years. But it will always be about people. It'll always be about relationships because it was for Jesus. It'll always be about people. I think about the next 10 years, I get excited about what is possible. I get excited even, even this fall, just in the next six to nine months, uh, launching our young adult ministry down here downtown called Revive Des Moines for 20s and 30-somethings. We're so excited uh, about that to, to bless our young adults and our college students. We're getting ready to, to launch a brand new ministry for high school students that come from difficult backgrounds that, are, that are have you know, rough childhoods and rough family situations that just need a place to come and be loved and accepted. I'm excited about uh, our strategic efforts that we're going to do uh, as a missions team and as a larger church to reach the, the hundreds and thousands of people that continue to move downtown. Man, if you want to know where the party's at the next decade, move downtown, people. This is where it's at. God's moving. People are, are moving down here. I can't wait to see how we can continue to get outside these walls more and more because, to be honest, we don't have a lot of space. And so we're going to go outside these walls and continue God's mission. And I'm super excited. And here's your sneak peek for the fall to tell you a little bit more come September about some future facility expansion and additions as well. And I can't wait to tell you more about that. It's going to be a great next year. That's just the next year. 
And it gets even better. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 3 from our scripture reading tonight. Let's read it nice and loud together up on the screen. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen? Amen. 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 Now we can imagine quite a bit, but God says, I can do, I can do infinitely, immeasurably more than you could ever dream for this church. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait to see what he does. I read a scripture like that, and it inspires me to pray boldly. I'm tired of praying small prayers, aren't you? Some of us, you know, God, I hope you hope you would help me get through the day. I want to pray for salvation for people. I want to pray for transformation. I want to pray for the heart of the city to be renewed, to join with the other churches down here, that we're all on the same team, no matter what denomination we are or how long we've been here. It's not about Lutheran Church of Hope. It's about Jesus, and it always has been, and it's about growing his kingdom. So I want to pray big, bold prayers for God to continue to change lives. There are tens and thousands of people that live in the Des Moines area that don't know Jesus and don't have a church home. And until that's no longer the case, we will not stop growing. We will not stop going on mission for Jesus. Amen? That's why we exist. But unless we slow down, we'll miss it because we'll get so focused on the mission, which we always want to be. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about his mission, what he wants to do through us. But if we don't slow down once in a while and stop and mark this moment, we'll miss it. And so four years ago, during the renovation of this building, these guys were out here with all sorts of big machinery, and they were just taking things apart and moving things out, and this whole thing was a huge construction site. And there was this giant slab of concrete that was sort of ugly, and they were just about ready to smack it in half and haul it off somewhere. And I said, wait, 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 wait. Can I keep that? And all the contractors looked at me and said, okay, weirdest pastor I've ever met. I said, Could I, 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 I just want to keep it. I just had a feeling that we would use it someday. And so it's just been sitting there on the west side of our building in, in, the, in the flowers. And so a couple months ago, I was thinking about this weekend and today, and I thought, this is it. This is our Ebenezer moment. We, we, we need an Ebenezer stone. Time out. We have one. We have one. It's that giant, ugly slab of concrete that God is going to repurpose so that every time we walk past it, we'll know God was here and God did something significant in this place. And I don't want to forget about it. So as you can tell, our creative team has already got to it uh, a little bit. And so just like Samuel, this is a fake stone. We have a real stone and we're going to set out our Ebenezer. Now the creative team has primed it for us, but when we're done tonight and you head out and you get your food and you head out to the party in the parking lot, the creative team is going to be out there with paint. And what I want you to do, this is for everybody. Even if you have no artistic talent like me whatsoever, this is for everybody. I want you to think of a word or a phrase, or if you are gifted artistically, some sort of picture, no bigger than the palm of your hand, so there's room for everybody on that thing, that represents to you what God has done in this place or in your life the last decade. What's a word or a phrase that just summarizes 
that and just take turns and, and, and be nice. Don't, don't shove or give elbows in Christian love. Just take your turns uh, out there. And we are going to make our Ebenezer stone together. And it's not just for a church, but this is also a moment to remember what God has done in your life. And so to make sure that everybody remember this, reach under your chair, and under every single one of your chairs, there should be your own personal Ebenezer. It's been primed a little bit for you. If there's not, there's probably one farther back. If you need one, the ushers can get one for you. But on that rock, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to, to color that. There's going to be some paints outside, so take your rock, put it in your pocket, bring it out to the artist table out there after you get your food, and write a word or a phrase or color it in some way and keep that rock with you. Put it somewhere in your house, put it somewhere in your car, somewhere you're going to see it on a regular basis. Because we all have those moments, don't we? Where we forget. Where we feel like God doesn't care. Where we feel like we're stuck spiritually. We feel like God's distant from us. Or how could God forgive me after the year that I've had or the week that I've had or the day that I've had. God loves you more than you'll ever know. And sometimes we need a tangible reminder of that, a, an Ebenezer stone, a stone of help, a stone of, of hope that says, regardless of what you're up against, he is more. And so we're going to close kind of unconventionally tonight. We don't sing a lot of hymns, but when we do, they're important. And this hymn is a song that a lot of you have heard before. It's called Come Thou Fount. It's an old, old hymn. It's been around for hundreds of years. And there's a line in this song that when we sing it, I always have people get a really weird look on their face and go, what in the world is an Ebenezer? And now you know. Because in the second verse of this song, we sing together, here I raise my Ebenezer both collectively as a church community and you personally tonight. And so as we sing this song together and as we sing the words and you hear that line, we're saying, God, you have brought us this far and you will continue to be with us every step of the journey. God, you are so good. Amen? Let's stand and sing this old, old hymn together.